Okay, I'm sorry. I feel like an idiot. I didn't hit record on that. <laughs> <laughs> now it's recording as I tell everybody I'm an idiot. I'm halfway down in the bottom of a bottle and I ain't gonna change my way. But I ain't half bad when I do what I ought to don't. So we uh, just left Pretentious Beer Glass Company. We are now headed to Alliance Brewing Company, which is ju yeah. located just over the Gay Street Bridge. If you're in downtown Knoxville on Gay Street, head south, go over the river, take a left, and you won't be able to miss it. It's going to be located conveniently close to Imes Nature Center, and it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great spot with the. Um, Appalachian mountain bike thing just happening with the oh, yeah, Bell Grant. I think this is my first time ever being there, so I'm, I'm really excited. About being at Alliance? So, so yeah. wait, you're, you're right next to the belt where they're doing the grant? Well, he's, <laughs> right. yeah. he's located. Yeah, he's no, lo we've never hung off a uh, scaffolding together, that's for sure. <laughs> so Adam's today. Alliance is located a half a mile from Imes Nitcher Center? Uh, maybe a little bit further than that. I guess I need to look that up to see exactly where it is. It's on the way. I don't know. It's on the way. It's, it's not far away. We're within five minutes, give that's or take. Cool. So we're close. Um, we were very excited about it. Had no idea when we picked the space and uh, went with it that uh, the bail grant was anything that was going to be coming through for the downhill and the uh, mountain bike park that will be coming. So we were very excited about that. And uh, we'll see. Hopefully it's open soon. Hopefully we're open soon. And uh, yeah. we're able to serve the thirsty mountain bikers and trail runners of uh, South Knoxville. Yeah, and not only South Knoxville, but people who travel to Knoxville as to, to experience the mountain bike trails that were right. going to be built through that bail grant. So that's a huge thing, and it's exciting sure, for you guys. Absolutely. One of the things I want to add uh, to the Alliance story, as Adam shared with me at one point in time, is there was a point uh, in time in which Alliance Brewing Company was going to be Alcoa Brewing Company. And uh, one of the reasons... Working title. Working title. ABC. And ABC. one of the things they loved about it was the term ABC. So when they moved to their current location, obviously it was outside of Alcoa, and Alcoa Brewing Company wouldn't work. But they liked the ABC model. So correct me if I'm mistaken, Adam, but the way that you shared this with me was the, the inner circle of, of people involved with that company made a large list of A words that they liked, and they straight up made a... March Madness style bracket, bracket, like bracket. I can't speak. Bracket. Bracket. There's no D. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Okay. They made a Brad Pitt. And eventually, going, choosing, voting for one or against one word, eventually down to the finals was the word alliance and another word. And I, I asked Adam. I said, "What were those other words?" And he has sworn to secrecy. He will never tell me what those other words were. But ultimately, the word that won was the word alliance. And when I asked him why did alliance win, he said because it simply embodies the mission and the purpose of craft beer, is to bring people together. Not only individuals, not only customers, but also breweries. And Alliance Brewing Company represents all of that. Is that fair? That is a, mostly a, accurate. An unbelievably good urban legend I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
It may have been muddled over a few beers at some point. Um, there was a list, and uh, there were some things that were ticked and things that were crossed off. And, um, but yes, when Alliance was put out there, originally it was shut down, but it came back around, and then uh, uh, Ben, my uh, brewer, uh, my role in the company, I'm head brewer. Uh, uh, ben Siemens is uh, the brewer as well, and uh, we're going off Spear Avenue. Hang a right, then a right. Um, Everett, our driver, has never been to Alliance before, so we have to look, give a little direction yeah. here. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, and that was it. That was where he stood on uh, why he thought Alliance was a strong name, and that's why eventually it won, was because of the fact that we agreed with everything he put out, and Zach's, Zach's right on, and, right I mean, on point. I'll say, from, from my part of it, I mean, I've got a chance to um, hang out and get to, know, get, get to know Adam over the past year or so, or six Four months. months. Yeah. At, at, more than oh, that. at Alliance, yeah. At Alliance. You're not counting BBM. Yeah, yeah. But I got, yeah, I got a chance to get to know him, and, and I got to, to, to hang out and, and hammer some nails and um, do some... Uh, some old, sweat equity. Sweat equity. Equity there. Blah, 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 blah. Equity. And, and, the, and successful, just... Successful, um, unsuccessful. Yeah, man. And, and, and be... Kind of learn what it is, what to be. Try to... Earn my chops, maybe one day to become an ally. So I mean, it's 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 this is this brewery to me is is, is a lot of my friends and um, and I, what I call family. Um, and I love all the guys, and I want to be. I hope to one day be family with you guys too. But when I when I step off in this in this place right here, I almost consider this place family to me. So I, I'm really excited to show this, showcase this, and. Um, and everybody else now and in detail in the future. So we just pulled up into an old coin laundry. And this, old coin laundry. This old coin laundry is being renovated into a brewery, a restaurant, and a coffee shop. So as Adam once said, it's your uppers, your downers, and your fillers. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. Amen to that. So the building itself used to be um, as recently, um, gosh, as a maybe October of last year, was uh, a laundromat. So okay. we came in. Kind of a good spot for a brewery. Um, sometimes when you find a place that looks like it might be good, you may have to redo uh, the gas main coming in, the water main, things coming in, things leaving, electricity, that kind of stuff. Hey, laundromat already has gas coming in, a lot of electricity, a lot of water coming in and leaving. Perfect for a brewery. So awesome. it made sense. Um, it was definitely not um, ready to be a brewery. So demo took a full month. Uh, we opened the ceilings up. We went from uh, 11 foot drop ceiling all the way up to 17 feet. Nice. Um, and we were, we're sitting around 2,400 square feet here. We're going to run a three barrel production brewery, um, basically to take care of the tap room with a very, very small uh, distribution footprint around Knox County. Very cool. Are you doing gas or electric? We're doing gas right now. Okay. So cool. we're uh, we're kind of the uh, tip of the spear as far as Knox county is concerned so we've been we've had the floors redone so this was actually as you see um i don't know how it, very shiny right yeah now. As, as insanely important this is but the uh used to be an old grocery store mm -hmm. and uh the original pour was red dyed cement for whatever reason and uh so that's what we're going with and we thought it was fun so we just polyed yeah. over it get some aggregate coming through so everything you see red is the uh, retail area the customer area so you walk up we've got uh, 12 taps on right now um Room to expand to 16, mm -hmm. drop a few more in. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Um, we'll have, you know, an L bar here. We'll have standing tables across the front. 
uh, I'm sorry, in the middle here and then across the front, we're going to do uh, tables again. Coming from Pretentious, uh, yeah. it'll be a nice, uh, a good six to eight inch bar tables that'll stretch here. Uh, these just came in today. We got them unpacked. So our stool, stools and chairs came in. Uh, well, a little uh, low top eight seater here in the corner. Painting still needs to be done. We're anywhere between three and six weeks out yeah. from opening, okay. give or take. So, uh, really cool. Yeah, so we're getting closer. Uh, lots of things have been happening, obviously. Um, we kind of want to, as far as the feel goes, I guess, we, we're pretty excited to have leave the rafters exposed, leave the trusses, um, embrace kind of an industrial feel, but not super industrial. So we brought some warmth in with the um, kind of the honey-colored uh, maple. Okay. Um, yeah. Looks kind of familiar. I mm-hmm. believe I saw very similar things at uh, Crafty. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of those things that, um, again, you know, you borrow, beg, borrow, and steal, and you talk about stuff, and people, um, one of our good friends, Sam Singletary, uh, who's been helping us with every step Sam, of the way. Sam, you say Sam? Absolutely. Um, so he recommended this to us, and I believe he recommended it to uh, Aaron as well. So we were pretty excited about that. Um, so we have these little boxes that are going to kind of pop out. So we've got a keg cooler. We've got... Um, fermentation room as well so let's kind of walk around a little bit i guess guys very cool um so this will be the half wall uh it'll stay this way it'll get a drink rail on top and this will have a swinging gate here okay so this kind of delineates space red for retail and then gray for brewing so uh, how, how, many, how, many, how many people do you you, you expect to like be we, able to... uh with once the chairs are in once the standing tables are in we are set at 80 80 capacity yep pa- patio outside patio will be outside um before we leave, if you want to go take a shot or two of just some conceptual art mm-hmm. that um, the building uh, owner, landlord, also our architect and GC sent me back in December. He said, hey, I'm thinking about buying this building. Would you guys, would you be interested here? You want to, you know, open a small brewery? and work? absolutely. So um, he sent those to me and I was like, yeah, absolutely. So he's got some conceptual art that's going on, um, especially now that things are happening with Three Bears Coffee. Low Brewers says Sexy Brewer. <laughs> tell, tell Brad Beer hi and thank you, and we'll be there in a minute. Sexy beer, right? We'll be there yeah. in a little while. Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing to really to see in here. Fermentation cooler. Yeah. We're doing. Um, we'll do ambient fermentation. So okay. Ten right now. What, what do you mean by ambient fermentation? For those who don't know. Uh, so we have a three barrel system from Bubba's Barrels here in town. Okay. Um, a lot of what Aaron touched on kind of goes uh, along with us. He's mm-hmm. doing electric. We're doing gas fire. Um, and working on that. Yep. So it'll be a little bit different animal, but um, we will roll in. We'll be doing ales to start with, so ambient around 64, 65. Um, it will, for the most part, do everything we need it to do, hopefully. And uh, with it coming in, um, fermentation won't rise over a few degrees above that. Okay. And then we'll, um, when, we, when it's time to do lagers, we'll work up another scheme on that. Okay. But cool. um, yeah, for, so firm room. Look over to the other side, you got the bar. Behind the bar, you have the keg cooler. Keg cooler there, diamond plate down, just getting that in. Um, still in the middle of really working on things. Off to the left of that, sink area, your chan wash sink, your work sink, your mop sink, your glass washer, no big deal. Floor drains, uh, again, gray area. You know, we've got, we left a lot of open space just so we can clutter it up. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some storage up on top of each structure. Middle room over here, um, just a little segregated. Um, do some malt storage as well. Come back to the back. Cat cleaner. Receiving. If you could ask this question to any everybody here, and take a uh, second to answer it. 
since it's at the last, so your ingredients, your hops, your malts and stuff, are you guys, guys all the all different sources for those or do you guys are kind of rely on the same, or what do you guys are getting your ingredients from? I think, uh, I mean, as we approach, I mean, we're midway through, we're past midway through 2015, I think, I won't say it's beg, borrow, and steal, but as many, I mean, we're over 3,000 breweries in the U.S. right now, so... Um, you know, with hops and things, you can sign contracts and get stuff going as far as that goes. Uh, yeast is never going to be a problem with the yeast houses, white labs, Y yeast, et cetera, et cetera. Those will all be around. That's easy to grow up. Uh, malt can be a little bit trickier, especially with prices. It's easier to get locked in to some prices if you have a very large receptacle, if you're able to take on a lot, train cars worth, uh, silos worth. If you're just buying by the pallet, um, you're going to be kind of at the mercy of it. There are a couple different houses as far as malt's concerned around the U.S., um, really two main different companies, plus there's some local stuff um, coming out of Asheville. Yeah, things like that. So, so I'm curious just because I know the size of Crafty and Alliance and Pretentious. Are any of you guys even close to the scale of a contract hops, or is that, is that much larger? Oh, no. What is the point in which... At what point do you does it make sense to do a contract hop? Oh, you could do it with. I mean, if you wanted to put it down, you could do it as a home brewer. It's just well, really you. you I mean, you tell them what you're going to buy from them per year, and you fulfill, and they fulfill that for you, and you pay them. So it doesn't matter. And as long as you is. fulfill it and they fulfill it, then all sure. is kosher. Yep. I mean, they're sending it to you. What about malt contracts? It's not really a contract. It's you get locked into a price for a certain amount, and that's kind of how that goes. But you're going to have to find a place to take it. And you're saying that basically with yeast, there's so much labs, a.k.a. technology, and people who are realizing that that is a profitable market, that that they're just producing yeast. And because they can do it in a lab, it's it's, 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 a a responsive industry. They can grow it up. Yeah. And there's a there's Quick. a and there's can, a yeah, you don't have to worry about a rainy season for yeast for yeast because it's all Mom, in the hops. Lab. yeah absolutely but yeah yeast is super simple other than that you have water so it's up to the brewery itself to treat the water as it comes in and everybody but it's also up to the city to provide that water well, well or is it no, you get provided I mean, you the water the, and treat it or not yeah I mean yeah. it depends on and it depends on it. the city yeah it depends on where you're at if you're in Portland or uh, Oregon, or you're in Portland, Maine, you're going to have two different types of water yeah. coming in. Did you go with the AquaClear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is a very similar so, yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, so there we go. What, what, <laughs> what is the AquaClear? So we're, you know, we're stripping out the chlorine and chloramine oh, okay, cool. of the system. We're softening as well. What is, I think, in the Knoxville area, I mean, as in just simple brewing, uh, what is the biggest challenge in, in, in ingredient fashion? Hops. Bur- bur- hot hops. Hops, yeah. hops um, because of delivery or hops because they can't be grown here? Hops because there are 38,000 acres of hopland in the United States and three to 4,000 breweries. Um, malt is, is insane. The amount of yields you can get. Um, uh, think about this, right? Barley, wheat, and uh, rye. Are all grown for bread. They're grown for all kinds of other things. That's a profitable cash crop, regardless of what you're doing. Uh, yeast can be grown up in a lab. So brewery or no brewery, they're brewing. They're making those malts. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, well, not the malts, but the grains. The grains. One, one kicker there. on that is uh, barley is not insured by the um, government, where corn and wheat and other things and are. Rye. And rye. So, yeah. 
Okay. So other things that turn more to food than barley um, are insured. So farmers that decide to get into growing barley do at their own peril. So if they have a rainy season, they're kind of SOL. Hmm. Interesting. So finish what you're saying. You're going into um, hops. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this just in my own personal story. I got a hop contract. It is now July of 2015. I got a hop contract in August of 2014. Hmm. Um, one of the first things we did with the brewery, um, other than trademarking our name, was to get a hop contract. Wow. We got that before we signed the lease in our building before we had secured our financing, before we had done anything. Wow. Um, we got a hop contract. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, to the kind of brews that we're trying to do at Crafty, I mean, hops are absolutely essential. We want to do a lot of IPAs. And uh, it's, it's, it's a bloodthirsty war for hops right now. Mm. Um, everybody's wanting to brew aggressive IPAs. Um, and it takes three years, at least, uh, from the time you put rhizomes in the ground to you get a profitable hop crop. Huh. Um, whereas barley can be six months, yeast can be two weeks. How many yields of, how many harvests of hops, or excuse me, I know that you can only get one harvest of hop in a year. How many harvests of malts can you get in a year? As far as I know, one. As far as you know, one? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe right. two. No, uh, rainy season wipes it out. It's, uh, so it's, you're looking at one and one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, most, and most of your malts are grown in Canada, Montana, Wisconsin. Idaho. I mean, yeah, yeah, Idaho, stuff like that. Northern, northern farms. So, so, Matthew, you've talked to me before on tours about using boutique hops from yeah. New Zealand and Australia and whatnot. Contracts. Yeah. So, those are really but you're not specifically that. making the contracts. You're just ordering them online through people who have made the contracts. Is that no? Proper? I mean, at homebrew scale, you know, test batch scale. Yeah, you can just get them at a. You can buy any of them online, and so or you're paying way. So, more how would you de- how would you describe for the listeners uh, the definition of a boutique hop? I don't think there's really a definition of a boutique hop. I mean, you've got some. You've got newer hops that just aren't being mass produced. If you want to call those. I would say, okay, so you have your ones that, like, everyone sees on the back of the cans, right? You have your Centennial, uh, Citra, Cascade, Simcoe, those ones that you see on the back of your cans all the time. Um, And this is, to me, this is where the craft brewer actually has an advantage. What is that? What is that? What is that? I heard a can being opened. We got distracted. Yeah! And all seriousness is gone. So all of you (laughs) who are listening, what you just missed was we heard Adam from Alliance open a can. Senior Coconut has given us the bounty. So we heard a can being opened, and uh, all of us just took advantage. All of us just took advantage of Adam from Alliance's personal stash. Cheers! Hey, cheers! It's here for us. One of the things that I love about Adam from Alliance is every time I've ever seen him, he's got a cooler full of beer. I try. On that brew day for the Honeysuckle Saison, Adam was the only one that showed up with a cooler full of beer. Oh, this is good. Great. Yeah. Stephanie found the... Hey, great conversation about um, stuff. 
about stuff. Stuff. Yeah. stuff. We're doing Let stuff me. here, guys. I know. I was in the middle of a point. I know. Aaron from Crafty is going to finish his point. Go ahead. Aaron from Crafty is going to finish his point. Okay, so if you, and I'll just kind of restart. I was only like five, ten seconds into it. Um, if you look at your macro micros, right, your big, your New Belgiums and Sierra Nevadas and Sam Adams of the world, um, they're using Centennial, Simcoe, Cascade, Columbus, Chinook, those kind of hops, right? Yeah. Uh, the stuff that we've all heard of and loved. Um, we love beer talk. Exactly. Yeah. But I think what happened is they saw the proliferation, the explosion of craft breweries to come. Uh, and also the thing when you're that big of a brewery, like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale has to taste like Sierra Nevada, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, right? Um, New Belgium Rampant has to taste like New Belgium Rampant, right? So they have a little less freedom to experiment with hops. So what happened probably back in around 2009, 2010, they saw this huge explosion coming. And so they contracted Centennial, they contracted Simcoe, they contracted Cascade, they contracted Chinook, all these things, right? And... Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> so, and anyway, <laughs> anyway, I think what happened is they contracted these hops and they're locked into these flavor profiles and they're awesome beers. Don't get me wrong. They're yeah. awesome beers. Yeah. But when new stuff comes up like Mosaic and El Dorado and Sriracha Ace Amarillo? and Atnum and... Amarillo's kind of a fringe. It's, it's, it's on the, yeah, it's it's on the fringe. The, it's on one, the fringe. Be, yeah, between, between the new, yeah, New Zealand hops, Australian hops. It's, it's being hops, used by like so many people. It's actually getting. It's pretty hard. To get Amarillo's actually Amarillo's starting to get closer to Cascade <laughs> and Centennial yeah. and stuff like that. But so you know, so I called up all these hop houses and I was like, Centennial, no. Citra, no. You know, Mosaic. Maybe, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know. But all the old hops, you know, just like, no way. These are, have all been locked down by the big guys. Can't touch them. Hmm. Um, can't touch this. Can't touch this. But I think, I think, a small advantage. No hammer. No, yes. Hammer, don't a small you. advantage that the small craft brewer might have is when you have an experimental hop come out. You know? HBC 329, which became Mosaic. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure, exactly sure about those numbers. I think that's right, but I could be off. But So the, you have these experimental hops come out that then become Mosaic, that then become El Dorado, that then become Sriracha Ace. Yeah. You know, you're allowed to go ahead and jump on those hops. Whereas the big brewers can't because they have to play it safe. Um, I had a and those that's that is my definition of boutique cops. Let me say I had a um, um, southern Bro- southern prohibition. I think it was southern prohibition. You know, drink that right there. It was their lemon drop hop, and it was it it was kind of a it, it was something. It was a combination of several different yeah. the hops, and it was something. Completely different than what I was used to, and it was it was so good. Like something like that is is that just a, is, is that going to be a combination? Is I think when I was I was trying to like researching online. Hopsteiner did lemon drop. That, um, I got some samples about a year and a half ago, and it's one of those that they finally decided to name. And of course, it just had a number beforehand, but yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of the things they brought in. 
and it's um, it was met with good results in research, so it's going to show up, and it's already got a name, so it'll be out and about. People are doing them and drop things. If you're thinking of um, hot profiles of just being uh, citrus and piney and resiny, like the classic American craft uh, hot profiles... Like, Those are changing. There's it is so much that yeah. they have that hops, flavor profiles, hops alone can add right now. Yeah. It's really, really exciting. Mango, blueberry, so, coffee, I, toffee, Yeah, Sauvignon uh, Saison Blanc flavors, yeah. yeah, everything. Yeah, so you have Nelson Savine <clears throat> that are like white wine. You have uh, you have mosaic hops that are bursting with mango. You have uh, Sriracha Ace with lemon and dill. Um, there's some experimental hops out right now that have uh, notes of coconut and cherry. Um, El Dorado's one that's come out that has Super this kind of like watermelon, yeah. Jolly Rancher candy yeah. flavor. Like, I mean, there's, uh, it's, it's, it's taking a new direction, and I think that allows a small craft brewer to be a little bit more innovative than a large craft brewer because they have to, they have to contract enough to make their 200 barrel batches. Yeah. Whereas As, and they have to, and the, you know, if they have make those beers and become successful, they have to know they have to stick to that them. they will be able to get that hop for a significant amount of time. So it has to be tested before any of the big breweries are even going to touch it. It has to have track records yeah. that will grow and it won't have and proper... I've, I've yeah, heard yeah. Some, of the, some of the big breweries, Sierra Nevada, etc., are contracted to 2020 and beyond. Well, I wouldn't shock me. Oh, no. I mean, we're only five years out. So, as an outsider looking into the three breweries that are are fairly nano that are going to be opening soon or not, so I have two questions. Question number one, is a brewery like Calf Killer has created their own yeast strand. Would you all ever be interested in or open to making your own yeast strand, or does that not fit your model? And my second question is... Is it necessary to have facial hair and be a brewer? <laughs> I'll jump in. Um, question oh, the one with the largest facial hair. Uh, the most. Fair right. uh, question one: um, Having a house strain can be beneficial and also detrimental, depending on the styles mm-hmm. you're going to do. Uh, just about, I can't give you a hard number, but let's say 90% of the brews mm-hmm. I do. Would fit into a house strain? No, no. It would fit into either a GABF or a BA sanctioned event. So I can enter can those you into. Explain what that means for the. Oh, um, so uh, my Kolsch is going to be done with the Kolsch yeast. My IPA would be something American, most likely, or English. Um, uh, my saison is going to end up with the Belgian strain. So uh, not a house strain. A house strain being the yeast you pitch consistently on every brew you do, regardless of it. Um, unless it's something a, a real one-off. So 95, 90, 95% of the brews I do are to style, and um, I need that. The yeast I, choice is style-specific. Absolutely. Um, and as far as facial hair goes, yes, they will kick you out of the guild if you don't have some kind yeah. of facial hair. It, it is... We, that's edited out. They, I told one of my yeah, drivers. That's, that's Illuminati I told one of my drivers on my brew tours if he yeah. shaved his beard, I'd fire him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, why Hirschberg has a mustache. <laughs> so, so one thing I would say is it drives me effing nuts. Adam can probably concur to this. Uh, when I go into a brewery, I'm talking to the brewer, and they said, oh, we have our English brown ale, or we have our ESB, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, did you use 1968? Yeah. And they're like, no, it's like Chico. Cal Ale. <laughs> you know, and they use a Cali Ale yeast and call it an English ale, and that is yeah. just bullshit. I'm sorry. I, yeah. There's yeah. nothing else I can yeah. use to describe that. Um, 
And so, yeah, so I love, I love, love, love English styles. We'll do ESBs, uh, Best Bitters, um, London Porters, that kind of stuff. And for that, we are going to use the Fuller's ESB strain. Uh, for our really clean American ales, we're going to use the Cali Ale strain. We're going to use 3711 or Belle Saison yeast for our uh, Saisons. We're going to use uh, the Von Stefaner Hefeweizen strain for our Hefeweizens, our Dunkel license, and this hefty, hoppy, hefty thing that I've, I've come up with recently <laughs> yeah. that both of these guys have tried. Um, Really yeah. Curious about that, yeah. Was, so there's, yeah. I have some at my house if you want to try some when we're done. Awesome. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it blew fast that night. Yeah, yeah it really fast. But the point is, um, yes, I, I come from a homebrew tradition, which is not like you have one yeast that you. No, each individual beer you pitch an individual yeast. I know that's more cost, that's more expense, that's more headaches, that's more lab equipment, that's all this other kind of stuff. But if you want to make awesome beers of different varieties. That's how you have to do it. And yeah. we will not have a house to be strained yeah. at Crafty Bastard. I can promise you that. Yeah. Okay. I think, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about house yeast strains and that aspect where it's just the one strain that you're going across the board, that's kind of like crippling yourself with how you make beer because you've got yeast, water, malt, and hops. And you're taking out a huge, if you just use, of, yeah, if you're just options. using one consistent, yeah. you know, yeast that's not going to add any flavor profiles and it's just going to attenuate sugar, uh, attenuate your beer, then you're losing all of these creative possibilities that you can play with. But like, you know, if we had if I had a million dollars in like a yeast lab and I could grow my own Brett, you know, mix strain you could do a house strain like that where it's just and something you can for one, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. No, you can't no. patent a microorganism. I thought you could. You can. I no, thought yeast strains are patentable. Whoa, no. whoa, we're going yeah, down so. with the Confederate flag now. Microorganism. Legally, we can. So, for all the all the podcast <laughs> listeners, <laughs> I would like to point out that Ben just showed up. We were. I brought him in circle here. Ben from Alliance just showed up. Ben, what is your role? Happy to be here. Sorry, I'm late. I'm the assistant brewer for Alliance Brewing. I thought you were going to say I'm just here so I can get fined. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Ben. Thank you. Yeah, so it's great to have We're talking about yeast strains over here. Cool. So just let you know. And I mean, like, what do you do here? And like, like, how do you fit in there? Like, we were talking about, like, we were talking about how, like, the like having your own yeast strain is that good or bad? Like, like it, like a calf killer does. Well, I think it's good. I think you know you need to know exactly what. You know, your product is doing and, you know, cultivating your own yeast strain is a great start, you know. Happy yeast, happy beer, you know. Like, so, so like, like when, you, when you're brewing with, uh, um, when you're brewing with Alliance and stuff, like, like what, what do you envision your job and your role and your future and stuff like that? Yeah, well. As stepping into here, like, you're stepping into the conversation and stuff like that. Just no, I, yeah, like, I, I like, appreciate that. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I'm the assistant brewer for Alliance Brewing Company, so I work directly with Adam uh, creating uh, the beer uh, for the brewery. <laughs> uh, basically, I do a lot of cleaning and uh, tightening up of the ship and uh, making sure that, uh, you know, things are in order, organized and uh, straight so that when we come in to brew in the mornings, everything goes really smoothly. Um, 
I like to be creative with the beer, get inspired by things, uh, bring my own personal experiences to the table, and share that with Adam, and yeah, that's, go that's, from that's, there. That's 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 what I was I was I was wanting to talk to talk about with you guys, you and with with all with all of you guys here eventually. That like <laughs> he I, I know I I know Ben from from way back and and he's and I know I know Ben and you I bet I mean you, you're, I mean, look at the you're a painter you're you sculpt don't you or yeah no my my I got a degree in uh, painting from UT I have a master's yeah. in fine arts yeah you're, you're fine arts. Yep. And I mean, I, I don't know your art background and so uh, like that. Philosophy. Philosophy. From UT. But, 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 that actually, <laughs> You're talking that, soft sciences here. Yeah. I'm coming in with sociology. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Like but, a shot. Yeah, but, oh, but what I'm saying is, we're not is, in our fields, like, guys. Like somebody was here. Like, like, like the one, one of the reasons why I, I saw you walk in, I was like, yes, I want, I want to talk to you because because sure. you have that. Art background and that so kind of parlays into the craft beer culture, and yeah. and, and how how does that parlay into to you and to um, Adam here and Crafty Bastard? How does that all play in? Like, how does the art you think play into the? Cra- well, I think yeah. beer is kind of known as an art and a science, um, yep. you know, simultaneously. So I think you know having that kind of intuitive approach to what you're making, you know, being willing to take risks, make mistakes as you would as an artist, sort of putting yourself out there, you know, understanding the history, the context of the beer that you're making, just the whole thing. You can sort of translate the language of art making directly over the process of making beer. Um, And you can, you know, you, you, you eat it with your eyes first, then you drink it, there's tastes, it's subjective, it's, you know... You know, it comes from a broad range of experiences and histories as far as the products are concerned. So, I don't know. You can really apply art speak to beer quite easily. And, and one more quick question before we I want to move on to this same kind of topic with other people before we disperse yeah, and, yeah. And, and everything. How do you kind of equate or relate the visual, tangible art to and... Because you do art like as in, yeah, I think, in paintings and culture. How do you relate to that to craft yeah, beer? I think I think for me it's really about process and time. You know, if I would speak directly about what it's like to make a painting, it starts with no- nothing basically, a blank canvas, and you start working with it, and over time it evolves. You could even say that a painting ferments. You know, metaphorically speaking. You know, I like that. And so it's about time and process and being engaged in the process in a sort of unique, uh, intuitive fashion, you know, and bringing, you know, kind of your, for, you know, for art, it's a visionary experience. For yeah. beer, it's a taste experience, you know, and you're sort of, you know, training your taste buds to get better and better at tasting beer and tasting off flavors and you're in search of you know a quality product at the end and so it's kind of in a lot of ways you know the long and short of it's it's the same sort of process one one of the things if if i might add in that i've noticed what that i've noticed about craft beer is in in the beer world there's a certain level of scientificness if that's a word science science <laughs> sure but there's also an expression of of self or an expression of something that means more to you than science which is a really fancy way of saying art i guess 
So how would you guys comment on, as we, as we close this podcast up, um, an idea of, of making a scientific product, for lack of a better term, but also including who you are and an expression of, of an impact on people into that product. Yeah, before, um, like, so my, my dream in life before I got into opening a brewery um, was to be a musician, right? So I played in bands for years and years and years. And to me, there's a huge correlation, right? Because I think it was, it was an old philosopher, I think it was Leibniz, Leibniz maybe. And, but anyway, Leibniz, I think sure. he said that uh, music is nothing more than sounding mathematics, right? And so there's, yeah, so there's a mathematical correlation between why the one and the three and the five sound good together and why octaves sound good together and stuff like that, right? And so just like music is based in mathematics and based in science, uh, so is brewing. Brewing is based in chemistry. It's based in microbiology. It's based in all these things. But at the end of the day, just like music, you can, you can write a song that conforms to all the mathematics perfectly, but sounds terrible. You can brew a beer that all the chemistry is correct, all the microbiology is correct, and it's kind of uninspiring, right? So at the end of the day, even though music and beer are both kind of based in science and based in mathematics, you're creating a product for someone else to enjoy sensory, right? You're creating something that affects somebody's senses, just like music, just like art, just like beer, right? And so I, that's, that's what I love. I love the grounding in mathematics that it has and the grounding in science, um, but the fact that at the end of the whole process, it's about what kind of effect you create for another person. And that's why I like it. Cool. Adam, Matthew? Uh, I'll be honest, I think he really spelled it out. I don't know if there's much to add to that. It really is straight up... Um, Creating something not to steal from founders, but um, you know, brewed for us is their slogan, and it's true. It's when when they first started, they brewed a bunch of beers trying to fit into the mainstream in the late nineties, and they weren't selling any beer. And they said, "Well, hell, let's brew the beer we want to drink." And then next thing you know, they're you know a multi-billion-dollar corporation and top five in the world. So they brew beer that they like. So that's where I've always been. I'm not going to brew a beer that I'm not down with, and We've, for the past three and a half years, four, four years, whatever we're at now, yep. um, we brew beer that we want to drink, and we hope everybody else likes it, and we go from there. But Aaron, he hit the nail on the head. I mean, it is. It's art and science, and you hope it all comes together and is top-notch, and you go from there. And, you know, part the heartbreaking part of craft brewing is when things don't come out okay, <laughs> and you have to dump them. So, you know, you lose a little part of yourself. But... You know, absolutely, we don't put beer out that we don't drink. Yeah. So if but they, who, hasn't, who hasn't started writing a song that they don't? Who hadn't started a <laughs> yeah. painting yeah. that they didn't finish? They didn't finish. Didn't, we've equated... We've you learn, learn from your mistakes as yep. you go along, and you go for sure. that. Yeah, so. we've equated craft beer to indie music. Yeah, so yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I mean, because my like the size of the brewery and who likes the brewery and to, to the style of beer and, and the style of song or whatever, yeah. like... Like Indian music and craft beer kind of have almost a parallel, in my opinion, the way that people, people almost people view it too. Yeah. Because like once a brewery gets too, too big, sometimes people are like I'm not going to drink that because it's too big. It's it's uh, New Belgium is too big. I'm like no, I mean I think 
New Belgium might be the U2, like, yeah, they're starting their they're new summer like, tour off at Kmart. Interesting. World of craft beer, I think that would be us. Yeah. You kind of mentioned like that yeah. earlier in our podcast. Yeah. But, but it, so it kind of relates because people have this emotional connection to an indie brewery or indie music in, in, in a small brewery. It's something you cheer on. It's something, yeah. something you want to see grow, but also you kind of you want it, you don't want it to lose that personal touch at yeah. the same time too. And, and like and like music that you like, like craft, um, like craft beer, you want to share it with your friends. If it's music yes. you love, you want to share yeah. it with your friends. You want to you know you get as much joy sharing a good beer with a friend as you do sharing good Check music. Check out this song. I just yeah. heard this song. It's yeah. awesome. It's Check awesome. out this beer. Yeah. yeah. So, but you, you definitely yeah. have to, this is the only guy here September. who does so, actual art and beer. So, yeah, exactly. so ask yeah, Matt. So we, we need yeah. to ask Matt. Yeah. He, dissertation he, he, on beer and art. Yeah. Too much pressure. Hey, right you're, closing, <laughs> you're closing this out, man. It's all, all up right, to you. All right. I Don't make it. I will make it concise. I will not make it concise. Beer, beer is a handcrafted Art. I mean, they call it craft beer for a reason. Yeah. Um, glass traditionally has been considered a craft. And you look at the background, so I do both of them. You look at the background, they actually have surprisingly similar backgrounds. You have glass in America, the studio glass movement started in the 60s. And it revolutionized the uh, art glass world because America didn't have any traditions in glass. We didn't have bohemian glass. We didn't have Venetian glass. We didn't have rules about how we can make it so we just made it up and we started doing things that you shouldn't do and then it became shouldn't yeah do. you shouldn't do shouldn't and then it became well, exactly american craft beer because yeah. of revolution yeah. because of prohibition it cut out all of the breweries it was a blank slate we had before prohibition we had all of the immigrants we had traditional german beer irish beer scottish beer being made and then it was a blank slate wiped out it, it. Uh, prohibition and we don't have any um, laws we didn't have the purity laws we don't have any of these things so people just started making beer in the garage people started blowing glass in the 60s in their garage and then completely revolutionized both approaches and for as long as I can remember I've always made art creative or express myself creatively the last year getting the glass blowing studio it took a full year to get that um, up and running. We just last week got it going. I didn't have any time to make artwork. I was making, any time I got access to a glass studio, I had to make back orders of beer glasses. Uh, if I was doing anything, it was working at the studio, never made any artwork, but I brewed beer. And that filled this creative void for an entire year. And I was satisfied by it. So if you think beer is not an art, I say it is. I'm sorry, I didn't That's mean to interrupt. They gave you the platform. It is. gave you the platform to Well said. Well the said. best thing you said in that entire thing, and it's like, I was kind of waiting for a pause. I'm sorry. That you said it was a way to express, express yourself. yourself creatively. Yes. Express yourself creatively. And that, exactly. That just got, I, got the, I got the goosebumps when you said that. And, and it's, it's the truth. And you express yourself creatively through glass and you threw your beer yeah. and that's what that's what it's all about and yeah. thing is and, and and you do it in a kind of like the the local like you you kind of have to do that with your surroundings 
and the city you're in and the town you're in and the people you're around because that's what dictates what you do and 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 that's you dictate that you're what you do by the surroundings you are and the city you're in yeah. which creates a local product and that's what yeah. we're that's what we want to celebrate in any craft beer city and i mean and that's why we want why we want to buy craft beer yeah. is because it's a local product it's it's something that's unique to the, the area we're going for yeah. and like, area we're going to that's why when we i go to a different city i'm like i want to seek out the craft beer in that city because it's unique to that area yeah. that's yeah. why you can, you can um but craft beer is an affordable luxury it's a luxury you can buy a pint at a time. At a pint. And that expresses someone's personality and their opinions and how they want other people to feel. That's why I always say make sure that the craft beer you're drinking is someone's craft. Exactly. Make sure that the craft beer you're drinking is someone's craft. And okay, it, so that's, that's like that's like seven T-shirts tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm going to wrap it up with this. And yeah, absolutely. This is this is Chris, and, and this is everybody here. We would have a great time, and we, we 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 kind of talked about the art here and the the culture here, and in Knoxville. We just want to make sure we want rep Knox, Knoxville, and we just want to go. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to say their say their goodbyes and and what they're doing. Real quick, as we what we have the door. Yeah. So as we get somebody off the pisser. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll get some. We'll get somebody off the pisser. Oh, oh, there he is. Hey. 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 Well, we lost one. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and we'll close it up and uh, we'll, we'll start with crafty and we'll work down the line of the, these great, wonderful people that's been here with us. And and Chris, you take it off from here and just like. All righty, this is, uh, yes. You going to say something? No. <laughs> no, it's just checking Tinder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Swap and laugh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we definitely need a picture. Okay. All righty, yeah. And. Yeah, just take so, it off. And yeah, here we go. So we'll start here. And we're signing off now. Sorry. I'm I'm so caught up in the catharsis of the moment. (laughs) Here we go. And this is is Aaron McLean from Crafty Bastard. Adam Ingo with Alliance Brewing. Ben Siemens, Alliance Brewing. Uh, Zach Roskop from Knox Brew Tours. Matthew Cummings, Pretentious Beer and Glassware Company. This has been Chris Hill, Humble Beer Podcast. This has been DJ Loop. And thanks for listening, guys. Get, it, get it, all of you. you oh, yeah, yeah. Chris in there. We got to get a picture here. Okay, I'm sorry. I feel like an idiot. I didn't hit record on that. <laughs> <laughs> now it's recording as I tell everybody I'm an idiot. So, anyways, hey, um, and we are back and we are with Zach from Knox Brew Tours. How's it going? Going well, Zach. We're great to have you here today, Thanks buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that said, you know, um, this has been a great tour so far. We've really enjoyed it. Um, what we want to do now is just take some time, talk to you about Knox Brew Tours and really get to you know, kind of what you do and, and where you're going with things. Yeah, so so obviously a lot of people always ask me the first question usually is, how did you think of this? And I always hate to tell them because I'm like, I didn't, right? Like it's not an original idea. There's other cities that have brewery tours. Um, what it was for me was basically that I was coming to the end of a, of a former project where I, I played music semi-professionally 
And being a person who loved craft beer and, and visited places like Beer to Beer Market and Casual Pint frequently and, and ended up working part-time with Casual Pint, I was very much aware of the beer scene that was coming to Knoxville. And Knoxville for a long time has been a city that I've been extremely passionate about. So kind of ironically or jokingly, all my friends, most of my friends from college have moved away. And they give me a really hard time for not wanting to go somewhere else because I love Knoxville. Mm. So trying to figure out what was next for me, um, Knox Brew Tours seemed like the perfect way to combine the three things I love the most, which is craft beer, Knoxville, and, and just hanging out and meeting new people. Are you originally from Knoxville? I mean, I was born in upstate New York, but I've lived in Knoxville since I was three years old. Nice. Did you go to the university? Or no, I actually you went, went to I went to Bearden High School. Bearden High School. Go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I went to Pellissippi for two years, cool. and then I went to Maryville College. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. And strangely, I, I uh, studied sign language interpreting and deaf education. So Not really. really? Yeah, so was, I'm kind of all over the well, place and stuff. Well, Rachel Cuthel, my girlfriend, should listen to this. She works at Tennessee School for the Deaf. Oh, sweet. So she works at TSD. Yeah, so I did an internship there when I was in college. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where, we, where I'm at. That's how Knox Beer Tour started. That's that, really cool. That's awesome. Well, just uh, give us a rundown of uh, like what you do to prepare prep for a tour sure. to, I mean, what, how you go about the tour. So, so I did a lot of, of market research, AKA I've been on a lot of brewery tours <laughs> and, um, I took a lot of notes. Um, I took a lot of notes on what I liked about a tour, what I didn't like about a tour. Um, I think I learned a lot more in my research of what not to do than what to do. And so the product of, of what a tour entails as something I'm really, really proud of because I think it's I think it's unlike any other tour in the United States in that I've paid a lot of attention to a lot of different details. Um, so so some of the things that I think we do differently is that we always have a driver and a guide. I've been on several brewery tours where it's just one person and they're sitting there driving, you know, the van or the bus and they're kind of yelling at you over their shoulder while they're driving. And me personally, was kind. Of, I kind of felt like, you know, I want the driver to be focusing on driving, you yeah. know, not... Safety get, first. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I'm particularly proud of is that we always have a driver who's, who is, of course, is 0% alcohol, you know, their blood alcohol content, zero all the time. And they're 100% job, they're focused on the road. Um, they always drop us off at the front door, so we walk straight into the front door. We don't have to park and walk in. We don't have to stand there and wait for the driver. The guide, the guide is always focused 100% on the customers, on the people, um, answering questions, telling them about Knoxville history, telling them about beer history, and, and just facilitating conversation. So we'll pull up to a brewery. We don't waste any time. We walk straight into the production area. We get our first beer sample, and we start with a beer before we do anything else. And so that kind of stuff is something that I take very seriously. You mentioned kind of prepping for a tour. We always make sure the bus is clean. We always make sure it's full of gas. You don't want to run out of gas. Um, it would be a little bit embarrassing. Right? Yes. We do offer uh, cold bottled water and Chex Mix goldfish and pretzels. Nice. 
So after the first brewery, we bust those out and make sure people are refreshed. That, that would not be good to um, say, hey, guess what? Uh, yeah. Next stop at the brew tour is Pilot. Yeah. We are going to get gas and checks mix. Yeah, gas and checks mix. <laughs> <laughs> if you want any other snacks, we need to use the restroom. Just, just do it there. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> so it really is kind of like it's guided, it's full service. You know, One of the things that is interesting is a lot of people say, this isn't what I was expecting. And I was like, well, what were you expecting? And they're like, oh, I thought you were just going to drop us off at a brewery and sit in the parking lot for 50 minutes while we did whatever we wanted to do. And then you pick us up and take us to the next spot. And I'm like, well, would you have preferred that? And they're like, no, this is 10 times better than what I was expecting. So that's something that, you know, we, we're very educationally minded. If you want to just book the bus and have a party bus, then that's fine. You know, we can do that. But our preference is really... To, to teach you and educate you about how beer is made and why it's made the way it's made and the history of each brewery and the philosophy behind why they do what they do and, and to really like, you know, to have a deeper understanding of, of craft beer and how it works and why it works. I mean, uh, man, that, take, that takes a lot of research and um, effort. Like um, you talked about, uh, um, from what I'm, I think you know a lot about the city of Knoxville. Yeah. And you, can, you tell the historic notes of the city. And you tell, and you um, like, and it's very, very, very informative tour, based on what you know about the beer, the craft beer, mm-hmm. and the and who you're going to visit. You seem very educated. Do, do you do a time a lot of research a time on that or? Yeah, so I've been on a few historical tours in Knoxville. I've got I've got some friends that visit Knoxville that I've had some conversations with. Of course, there's Google, right? Wikipedia mm-hmm. yeah. and stuff helps. Um, as far as learning kind of the beer education side of it, got lots of friends that are home brewers, um, and you know, just the nature of, you know, being in craft beers, breweries all the time and going on tours and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, quince, quince essentially, uh, I hate that word. I don't know why you just used it, but what describes like my philosophy is in our, our slogan and that's just discover local beer. And whether you're a local or from out of town, that we still have the same goal. Our goal is to help people discover what local beer is available to them, um, whether they know it or don't know it or want to get to know it better. That's, that, is, that, that is the motto in which every decision and everything we do runs through, is to help people discover local beer. That's really cool. Yeah, and and so far we've had a great time on um, on the brew tour. I mean, this whole experience has been great for us. We really enjoyed you know our time um, with you, and I, I think you know you proved through the tour that you know you're you're very knowledgeable. You do a really good job of explaining things. I think as people listen, um, you know they they will see that you know you you've done a really good job of you know describing how the breweries work, how everything works. Um, you know, with that. So, um, you know, definitely thank you for that. I think you're doing a great thing here in Knoxville. And um, how, how can people, you know, if they, if they say, hey, I want to, um, you know, get a brew tour scheduled, how, how can they get in touch with you or what, what's the best way for that to work? So we have public tours and private tours. Public tours are simply um, similar to, to, you know, just a tour that you can sign up for. So if you go to knoxbrewtours.com, uh, right now we run Fridays at 6 and Saturdays at noon, 3.30 and 7. If there's just two of you or five of you or seven of you, you can sign up for what the spots that are available in those public tours. 
-hmm. We also have private tour options. A private tour is exactly the same as a public tour. It's just closed off to your group. Um, and that can be during one of our regular times, or it could be on a Thursday or a Sunday or a Tuesday. And so there's a private tours page um, as well on our website. And you usually just shoot me an email or shoot me an inquiry on private tours. Um, private tours are great for birthday parties. They're good for company outings. We've done several of those. Public tours are a lot of fun to give as gifts to people. To if you've got a beer, if, I'm telling you, if there's a beer lover in your um, in your family, it's it's a great gift. One of the the most exciting, I think, nicest compliments anyone's given me on a tour was. Um, I'm sure you guys are friends with the Knox. You guys know the Knox Beer Snobs guys. They did one of my tours early on, and they said that there was things about Knoxville breweries that they learned on the tour that they didn't already know. Yeah. And so that meant a lot to me because they were you know, involved in helping some of those breweries even open in the first place. So it's just a lot of fun, and, and KnoxBrewTours.com is where it's at, 865-951-6883. Feel free to call me or shoot me an email at any time. Awesome. And I'd be happy to hook anybody up or ask any, answer any questions. Yeah. What, what is the Knox Brew Tours email? Just for those who might be too lazy to check yeah. the website. <laughs> That's fine. Just only yeah. some of this on iTunes. It's uh, contact at knoxbrewtours.com. Okay. Awesome. And we will post this on our uh, webpage, our Humble Beer Herbat. Humblebeerpodcast.com humble if I can speak be honest <laughs> I think I said the first episode and I'll say it many more episodes but yeah humblebeerpodcast.com we'll have all the links and everything there so if you guys missed out on that or don't want to go back and just want to look at the website you can go there and um, you know go to the show notes for this page and for this episode and actually find those there um, one last thing I, and I, you may have mentioned it Zach but what um, what breweries are currently on the tour? What's kind of coming online? Is there anything new and exciting things that you're, you guys are maybe in the works or things you all are looking at doing Absolutely. people should know about? Yeah. So currently on Fridays, we have the South Loop Tour, and that is Black Horse Sawworks, and then we go all the way to Maribolt and check out Blue Tick. Oh, wow. And it's a lot of fun. They've got a great environment out there. There's usually live music. That's a lot of fun. Saturdays, we're doing uh, Black Horse Smoky Mountain Brewery and Sawworks, and that's here in Knoxville, all locally um, here in Knoxville. What's exciting for us is coming up um, this Friday, this podcast may be out after that, but we're going to do it again in the future. We're going to be doing a Brewing 401 tour, okay. which we're thinking about doing monthly, and it's going to be a very intense, scientific-focused, mathematically-focused tour. So we're going to do hydrometer demonstrations, and we're going to do blind taste tests, and we're going to do a taste test of sweet wort, bitter wort, beer in fermentation, and beer in post-fermentation. So, so for like Cicerone or... Yeah, exactly, like that, that kind too. of stuff like that. Yeah, that is really cool. And the guide for that is going to be Aaron from Crafty Bastard. Oh, He's the guide nice. for the Brewing 401 tour. Yeah. Um, so that's something cool that we're excited about. We're also looking at doing a quarterly pub crawl in Maryville, and what's going to be exciting about that is it's going to be a hop-on, hop-off shuttle. So basically, it's $10 for a ticket. The bus is going to drive in a circle between five beer-related places, and you can hop on and hop off the bus as many times as you'd like. So if you get off at Barley's and you're having a great time, stay there as long as you want, get on the next bus whenever it comes around and go to the next place. If you don't like where you're at, you just hop on and go to the next spot. 
and that's going to be quarterly. That's in partnership with Casual Plant Marigold. Okay. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, what's exciting for me is we've already got verbal commitments from Pretentious, Alliance, Crafty Bastard, Balter, Hexagon, Schultz, Brow, Last Days of Autumn, and Geezers, Cold Fusion, and Scruffy City. Holy crap. So as soon as they're open and ready, we will be featuring them on a tour as soon as we possibly can. That, that is really exciting. Yeah, and when as soon as Knox Whiskey Works opens, we're going to do a, a drink local tour, which is going to be one brewery, one winery. We're going to go to Blue Slip and one distillery. We're going to go to Knox Whiskey Works. That's so awesome. We're going to do a walking tour as soon as we can. That will, that will start and end at Visit Knoxville on Gay Street. And if I can pull it off, I think I want to do a bike tour that's going to be up and down Central Avenue because... There's going to be a lot of breweries off Central Avenue, and they've got a really nice bike lane that's really safe, and I think we're going to do a bike tour as well. That is awesome. So we have a lot coming down the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, that's, all, that's awesome. And that you, is exciting. I mean, you, you're doing the uh, Maryville Pup Tour. Mm-hmm. Any thought about that for maybe holidays or events for Knoxville? Or? Yeah, I would love to, to do something similar in Knoxville. I'm just not quite sure yet how to pull it off, but I think once we kind of get our feet wet and get a system down out in Maryville, then that's good. it'll be easy because Maryville's a smaller town, so it's a good test market. So any, any awesome. pub, any pubs or brewery or any locations in Knoxville, please contact him. Yeah, because cool. I would like that. I would like that would be an awesome for like a cool Friday night for like a uh, St. Patrick's Day event or something like that. So yeah, and so what if this bus went like Gay Street, Market Square, Alliance, mm-hmm. Sawworks, Crafty Bastard? Yeah. North Gay, South Gay, yeah. and just went in a circle. Oh, you could get on me awesome. That would be awesome, especially for for, for like a, for, for a holiday like St. Patrick's Day, where you like, oh, this place is too crowded, or this place is this up there. Or the Friday before home football, football game. game. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. That'd be, yeah, that would be awesome. Are, speaking of, are you planning on or thinking about anything for UT this year? Yeah. So, I, strangely enough, I've actually already got um, this one guy send me a text. He said, "I don't care." How much it costs, I don't care what I have to do. <laughs> I want one of the buses for the Oklahoma football game. And he sent me that text three months ago. <laughs> so I was like, listen, I, I can't tell you what that's going to look like because that's too far away. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but we are in the process of working on some tailgating packages. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like or what the cost is going to be. But we will be promoting that in the next month or so on KnoxbeeTours.com. He, he will so do awesome. that for... They'll be promoting probably for home and away fans. Yeah, we can do something. So, so, so if you're if you're if you're listening to this like months from now when we've got the tour of the SEC, yeah, um, brew brewcast up and we're talking about that, or not even the brewcast, but just the um, you know the talk about breweries in the southeast. Um, you know, you can stop at Knoxville and go to Knox Brew Tours and potentially even go to the game yes. through Zach. That 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 would all kind of work together. Beers of the SEC. Go to you. You learn about the Knoxville breweries. Mm-hmm. Not hit Knoxville brew tours. If you're a Georgia fan, then you can cry on your way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually just <laughs> that's awesome. I actually just had a tour on Saturday with a, an SEC volleyball official. Nice. And she says that when all of, her, of the other SEC refs come into town, mm-hmm. they're always looking for something to do. So she said she'd hit me up to do an SEC official's Oh, cool. Oh, that, that would be, be so cool. awesome. Yeah. Can you tell me when that is? I'll just, I'll yeah. just wear a ref's outfit. <laughs> wear a ref's outfit and show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is well, so cool. Well, I just want to th- say thank you so much for just uh, 
a for the tour itself and yeah. just have been in part help promoting uh, Knoxville craft beer culture. And Absolutely. If if you're a beer lover at all, I, I think it's highly recommended to be on the tour with Knox Brew Tours. Um, definitely with Zach leading the tour. And and you if you're listening to this and you think you know Knoxville craft beer. Um, and you like, I mean, most people are like, I think I know Knoxville Craft Beer, but mm-hmm. you get on the bus and you don't know Knoxville Craft Beer until you get on his bus because you, like, like he said, from the, from the, from the Knoxville Tours guys, you will learn something from his, his tour. You will have a new experience mm-hmm. and it will just give you, I mean, if you're deep in the Knoxville Craft Beer scene, you'll just go deeper. Yeah. T- take it from the Humble Beer Podcast, guys. You will be humbled. Yeah. You will be humbled, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and on that note, um, yeah, back to the tour or whatever comes next that I decide to edit this into. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Because I'm halfway down in the bottom of a bottle and I ain't going.